Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. And good morning to everyone who's watching online as well. If you're watching online, uh, write something in the comments so that we know who is joining us. Uh, and for those of you who are here, we have attendance pads at the end of the pew. We would love to know who is with us this morning. If you would sign those and pass those along. Want to let everyone know that yesterday was our children's Easter egg hunt and they had an absolute blast. So if you are here helping with the egg hunt, let's just give them a round of applause for those that were helping with the egg hunt. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, our kids and youth uh, meet every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. We have dinner at 5.15. Not only do we have kids and youth activities on Wednesday night, we have amazing adult Bible studies, and we would love for you to be a part of those. Um, and if, you can, if there's ever a Sunday where you're like, you're just not going to be able to make it to church on a Sunday, we have a great option of a Thursday night worship service at 5.30 here in the sanctuary. It's a really laid back service. It's, it's 30 minutes. It doesn't have any music. So you can uh, just come to Thursday worship and then go to, to dinner together with your friends on Broad Street. It's a great option that we have. Um, next Sunday... We have a combined service at 10 a.m. So make sure if you're coming next Sunday to come at 10 a.m. instead of at 11. So it's a combined service. Our kids are going to be singing. It's going to be a great time. And I want you to save the date uh, for May 10th uh, is our church picnic. It's one of our favorite events of the year. That'll be from 5 to 7 on May 10th. Uh, also want to let you know that um, on the calendar you got as you came in, there's a QR code. You can scan that to find out more information about upcoming church events. Um, this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can come together and worship this Easter morning. We ask that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
so handsome and beautiful today. Not that you don't always look like that, but I'm glad to see you here today. It's, it's wonderful to see your smiling faces. And, and it's great to know that you're worshiping with us by live stream. Say hello to us if you're worshiping by Facebook Live and let us know where you're worshiping from. Uh, one thing I want to remind you is there are these attendance registration pads. You'll find them along the inside aisle of the pew, right on the pew there. If you will take that and fill it out and pass it along the aisle so that we can have a way to stay in contact with you if we don't have your information already. Um, but that helps us to keep in touch. We have um, a church app and you can scan the QR code. You can do all of that technological stuff, but we wanna keep in contact with you if we can. And we thank you for doing that. I just wanna say a word about uh, what we have today is, um, is a custom that we've been doing for years. It's called the Alleluia Offering. And I'm, I'm telling you about this now because when we take our, our offering, I'm not going to make a, um, another announcement about it. But every year, in addition to our, our normal giving, we do a special thing on Easter called the Alleluia Offering. This year, we're using the Alleluia Offering to help pay for our music. Half of it will go for our music program, which we love. Another half will go for capital improvement and upkeep on our beautiful facilities where we do ministry in, which we love. And um, so give generously. If you, if you just thought about it today, you could just mark on your gift, the Alleluia offering. Uh, but I know this church always gives generously and always gives their time and their talents, and I'm thankful for that. So I just, just want to thank you in advance for your Alleluia offering. And now let's continue as we prepare our hearts for worship.
Please remain standing and join us in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. be seated. Now remembering the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, how he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let's continue our worship by giving of our tithes and offerings.
This is our time of prayer, and, and we, uh, we love to pray. We love to pray for you and for needs of people that you love, that you have. For If you have a special prayer request, you can send it to us. You can email it to us. You can fill out a card, or you can just tell uh, Pastor Andy or myself, and we will not only pray for you, but pass it along to our prayer team. We also love to hear answers to prayers, God sightings, joys that you have, celebrations. We want to celebrate with you too, so uh, keep that in mind as we come to this time of prayer. And will you join me as we pray together? I'm gracious God, our Heavenly Father. We're so thankful as we gather today. Today is the day that we have been waiting for and longing for and preparing our hearts for on the journey of Lent. We've gone through Holy Week, we've gone through Monday, Thursday, we've gone through Good Friday, and we've waited during the cold and rain yesterday on Holy Saturday for this morning. And so, Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful for the hope that it inspires in us. We're thankful that we can lift our voices together. And Lord, we remember not so long ago when we couldn't even gather together because of the pandemic. So we're just thankful to be able to be with one another. So thank you, Lord, for resurrection. Thank you for life. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for hope. Thank you, Lord, that, that the worst thing that can happen to us will never be the last thing that happens to us because of resurrection power. And Lord, today, as we lift our needs to you, we do so in confidence, knowing that you hear our prayers. And we ask you to teach us to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples, Lord, when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Catherine is going to be taking our children to Children's Church, and she'll be down here to my left and to your right. And they always have fun in Children's Church. I always want to sneak down there and just let Pastor Andy preach, but I think I won't today.
you stand together and let's sing He Lives, number 310.
told you there was more, right? Thank you so much, choir. I, didn't anybody else get goosebumps about halfway through that song? Me too. Yeah. Matthew 28 is our scripture today. You can follow along um, on the screen. You can pull out the Pew Bible, your Bible app, however you want to, or you could just listen. It's the story of the resurrection from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has been raised as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. That first Easter morning, the followers of Jesus just really didn't know what to do. And, and what do you do when you don't know what to do? Uh, I think you could usually go to one or two extremes. You could go to one extreme where you just like freeze like a deer in the headlights. You just get all wrapped up in yourself and you wrap yourself in a cocoon uh, of darkness and you fear what the future holds and you regret something about the past and you're just afraid of the here and now, and you just wait in sadness for the dawn that seems impossible. And then another extreme is to just be frantically busy. I mean, to just stay so busy that you don't ever have to think about it, you know? And, and I, I've had people to tell me if I had a problem or if I, have, if I was full of grief or anything, just keep busy, right? Just keep busy. And, you know, that only takes you so far. It, you know, it's, it's good for a while, but, but just staying frantically busy doesn't mean that you can avoid the grief, the problem forever. You've got to face it, right? But there is a medium that you can strike. There is a middle way that you can do, and it's not to be hiding behind the doors like we see the disciples in John 19, 19. It says the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples were, were locked for fears of the Jews. They were just in their own cocoon. And we don't have to be so frantically busy that we, we don't avoid it. We could be like the two Marys that were on that first Easter morning, not staying so busy that they avoided the truth. I think what they were doing was what they could you know so what do you do when you don't know what to do you do what you can do and you leave the impossible to God you find comfort in doing what is possible and then you trust God for the impossible because it was impossible to go back in time have you ever wished that you had one of those uh, DeLorean cars like they had on back to the future you could hop in there and go back and then change something that you did. You know, it's impossible to go back. Peter wanted to go back. Don't you, don't you know he wished he could take those denials, those three denials that he, he did before the rooster crowed? Don't you know he wishes he could take that back? Don't you know the disciples wished that they could go back in time? And, and I don't know, if only we had fought harder in the Garden of Gethsemane and we hadn't deserted him, they wished they could go back. It's impossible to do that. We don't have a crystal ball to go into the future. We don't know what the future is going to hold. That's what they were so afraid of. They had taken Jesus away. Were they going to come after them? They were shaking in their sandals. 
But Mary and Mary knew what they could do, and that was to go and finish doing the only loving thing they could do for Jesus at this point, which was to finish preparing his body for burial. See, normally that would have already been done. Normally it would have been done before now, but Jesus had died on Friday afternoon. He had died just right before sunset, which was the beginning of their Sabbath. And for them to have gone through the full preparation would have meant working on the Sabbath. And they weren't going to break the Sabbath. So they hastily, they hastily prepared Jesus, just wrapped his body, placed it in a borrowed tomb, and then waited for the dawn. And dawn came that first Easter morning. They were walking, walking toward the tomb. I like to go walking in the morning. I, I, I don't know whether I walk the dog or the dog walks me, but however it turns out, I like to walk in the morning. This time of the year is beautiful. It's, it's gorgeous. And the flowers are blooming. You know, those red buds trees are blooming, the dogwood trees and and I love seeing all of that stuff. And I wonder when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were going, were the flowers blooming? They probably were, but I don't think they noticed. They were too sad. And when I walk, Sosa in the mornings or when she walks me, I love listening to the birds. In the morning time, the birds just put on a show around where I am. I mean, singing all over the place. I love listening to them. Were the birds singing for Mary Magdalene and the other Mary that morning? Probably so. Probably so. But in their minds, the sounds were drowned out probably by the cries of Mary, Jesus' mother, as she agonized over her son's crucifixion. And the disciples, in their regret, hiding behind locked doors staring at the walls. I like to think in the back of their minds, they had this little ember of hope because they had heard Jesus say, you know, like everybody else, they had heard Jesus say, after three days I will rise again. But then common sense would just kind of kick in and they would say, you know, that's, that's kind of crazy to think like that. Uh, because if we started talking about that Jesus is going to rise again, everybody would think we we're crazy. We'd seen the first day come, Friday, and seen the second day, Saturday, and today was the third day. It was the dawn of the third day. Was it, impos was it an impossible dawn, or was something there? Was there a reason to hope? See, they had seen Jesus die with their own eyes. They had seen him. They had seen him placed in that tomb. Maybe they helped wrap his body and they felt the coldness of his flesh. And they saw that big old heavy rock rolled over the, the mouth of the tomb. They saw the guards placed there. and they, It wasn't the first time. They were grown-ups. It wasn't the first time they dealt with death. But something in them, I have to think something in them wanted to hope for the impossible. And then Matthew's gospel tells us the first thing that happens was an earthquake. I like to think of it as a faith quake because everything was shaken and the angel taught them a lesson that we're still learning 2,000 years later and that lesson is this. All things are possible with God. All things the angel said, he's risen. He's not here. I know you're looking for him, but he's not here. He's risen. The impossible dawn had come. They knew he was dead, no doubt about that. He'd been placed in that very tomb. It was a fact. But now, now the stone was rolled away, and now the guards that were there to guard were trembling in fear and like, and, and like comatose almost, like dead men, the scripture tells us. And the impossible dawn had been made possible by the power of God. Did you know that that is the Easter message in a nutshell? The impossible dawn comes by the power of God. The Easter message. For them, and you know what? For you and me. 
because you and I have both faced a couple of impossible dawns in our lives, haven't we? We've laid there turning and tossing on our bed at night, wishing that we could get in a time machine and go back. If I only could go back and say what I left unsaid, if I only could go back and take back what I did say, right? If only dawn could bring me a second chance, just a second chance. Or then when we stand by a graveside of somebody that we love and we think, okay, if only, if only, if only. But it's impossible. It's impossible, isn't it? Or is it? I think Easter is a great time to remind ourselves of all of the impossible things that we have seen God do. Pastor Andy and his family went to, took some trips on spring break and they, they went to where my mom lives now, Tuscumbia, Alabama. Anybody been to Tuscumbia, Alabama? Andy can't say it right, but it's, it's Tuscumbia, Andy, not Tuscambia. Um, birthplace of Helen Keller is where I'm going with this. Helen Keller. The Keller family was a, a prominent family. They did everything that they could for Helen, but nobody believed that Helen Keller would ever amount to anything. But Ann Sullivan did. Ann Sullivan believed in the impossible. And a couple of weeks we're going to North Carolina to see our, our baby graduate from, from graduate school. And, and I think about North Carolina, I think about Wilbur and Orville Wright. Nobody thought people could fly in some kind of flying machine, but they did. They believed in the impossible enough to go ahead and just do it. Nobody thought you'd ever walk on the moon, but Neil Armstrong didn't believe that. How many times have we seen the impossible happen? Enough for us to keep the fire of hope alive in our lives. Have you ever had an answer to prayer that you just thought would never happen? I have. When we face our impossible dawns, we can tend the fire of hope in our lives because of Easter. Because of Easter. And that night that you spend tossing and turning, wishing that you had a second chance, you do have a second chance. It's called forgiveness. And it's there because Christ forgave us and called us to forgive as he has forgiven us. Easter means we all get a second chance. Isn't that great? It is for me. I tend to mess up a lot. I'm going to tell you another football story. Okay, don't roll your eyes. Okay, it could be a baseball story. That would be better. But this is a football story. New Year's Day, 1929, Georgia Tech is playing the University of California in the Rose Bowl. Um, in that game, there was an All-American center named Roy Regals for the University of California, one of, one of the best college players you can imagine. And he was just going along, playing a great game. Georgia Tech fumbled. There was a fumble. And somehow, or I don't know, somehow there was a fumble. Roy picked up the fumble and started running to the goal line. But he got turned around and he was running to the wrong goal line. And he ran 65 yards before one of his teammates caught him. He said, Roy, no, you're going the wrong way. And then he was tackled by the Georgia Tech players. They were down out on the goal line. They, they tried to um, unsuccessfully to, to pick up a first down. Of course, it was impossible. And then they went to punt. Georgia Tech blocked the punt and got a safety. And then that was the end of the first half. The teams went to their locker rooms. Can you imagine what it was like in the Cal locker room? Everybody was hanging their heads. Roy was sitting over in the corner by himself with a towel over his head, just crying like a baby. And then the timekeeper came and told them it was time for the second half. And, and the, coach, um, the coach, said, Coach Price said, all right, team, the team that started the first half is going to start the second half. And everybody got up and started putting their helmets on, headed to the field except for Roy except for Roy. 
um, he just stayed seated and, and coach went over and said, Roy, did you not hear me? I said the team that started the first half was going to start the second half. And Roy said, coach, I just can't do it. I can't face that crowd again. I can't, I let my teammates down. I, they were booing me when I came off the field, coach. I just can't go back out there. And coach took him by the shoulders and said, Roy, you get up and go out there because the game's not over yet. The game's not over yet. And according to everybody, I was, believe it or not, I wasn't there in 1929 at that game. Andy, I know you think I'm old. But the second half, they say that Roy Regals played like a man possessed. No one has ever seen anybody play as hard as he played. The Georgia Tech players even, even just bragged on how hard Roy Regals played the second half for the University of California. And Cal lost that game to Georgia Tech. They lost eight to seven. That safety was the difference, you see. And then Roy became known as Wrong Way Regals. Right? So he carried that. He was an all-American, he was an all-American center, but you know what he was known as? He was known as wrong way, you know? But somehow he, he got to where he, he didn't mind it so much and he, he was successful in his life. And later on in his life, in 1991, he was inducted into the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. You know? He was not defined by his mistake and I'm telling you that story because sometimes we run just as hard as we can go in the wrong direction don't we just running as hard as we can go and then once we come to ourselves once our teammates tackle us we realize oh no uh, am I ever going to get a second chance but God somehow reminds us the game's not over yet. The game's not over yet. God is a God of second chances. And if you ever felt like it's just impossible, I'm never going to get a second chance. You do. Easter is our reminder. There's a new dawn. There's a new hope. With God, all things are possible. And you say, but, but look, I stood beside the graveside of my loved ones and I saw them die and I, I know that they're not here and I'm grieving and is there anything that I can do? Is there any hope for me? I remember feeling that way, especially on Easter. I always think about it. It's 45 years ago when I was 17 years old. My father passed away on Good Friday and Sunday afternoon, that Easter Sunday afternoon is when we buried him. And I remember Every Easter, I look back on that time in my life and I remember thinking about the hopelessness that I felt. But then I hear the voice of Brother Earl Stewart, my, my pastor who had baptized me when I was nine years old, looked me in the eye, the 17-year-old me in the eye, and he read the words of Jesus in John chapter 11 where Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And it was almost as I could hear the voice of Jesus saying, do you believe that? Just like Jesus said to, to Martha, do you believe that? Do you believe it? The impossible dawn is possible. See, the, the best thing about Easter is that Easter means that even death is swallowed up in victory. Even death. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary found that out on the first Easter morning when they got to fall at the feet of Jesus and worship. Jesus, the risen Lord. Talk about second chances. And you know what? We get second chances all the time. It's called God's grace. Aren't you thankful for that? And that, that ember of hope that we have in us, it's just, no, I can't, I can't go back and change the past. And, and yes, I, I'm sad in the present. And no, I don't know what the future holds. But I hold on to the hope because faithful is he who made the promise. And he will do it. So the message that 
the angel gave the Marys is a message that I want you to take with you today, this Easter Sunday, a threefold message. The first one is don't be afraid. Don't let fear overwhelm you. And the second one is that the angel said, come and see for yourselves. Come and see for yourselves. I know that you're looking for Jesus, but he's risen. Just like he said, test him out for yourselves. Test him out. And then the third was go and tell. Go and tell the other disciples that Jesus is going to meet them in Galilee. So don't be afraid. Don't let fear of him. Come and see for yourself that Jesus is as good as his word. And then go and tell. Then go and tell others. Verse 8 says they ran quickly from the tomb and they were filled with fear and joy. Fear and joy. And hope of a new dawn. With God, all things are possible. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, that even when we face that impossible dawn, even when we think it's impossible, you are the God who said all things are possible. That even death, even the worst thing that can happen to us will never be the last thing that happens to us because of resurrection. Help us to not be overwhelmed with fear to come and see for ourselves and and to see that you are as good as your word and faithful and then to go and tell to raise our voices with those of Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and say he is risen just like he said he would in Jesus name we pray Amen our hymn in closing is number 304 Easter people Raise your voices, number 304. And I invite you to stand as you're able, but let me give you um, another little heads up. You remember earlier I said, but wait, there's more because we had another anthem coming. One of my favorite things uh, about Easter at this church is what we do right at the end. We're going to sing this hymn. I'm going to do the benediction. And then I'm going to ask all of you to turn around and face the resurrection window back here, this, this beautiful stained glass window and then we're going to sing the hallelujah chorus you say oh but i don't sing oh yeah i bet you will you know the choir sings so well they're going to drown you out anyway so you just get in there and sing your hallelujahs too let's let's stand together Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit go with us all now and forever. Amen.